Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Just the mention of the name Tommy Burns is enough to invoke a sea of memories for fans of Celtic and beyond. In his own words, he's a supporter who got lucky, but in truth, I think it's us, the fans, who were the lucky ones, as we got to witness a lifetime of Tommy Burns the player, Tommy Burns the coach, and Tommy Burns the man. I'm delighted to be joined today by Tommy's son Michael and by Davy Carswell as we discuss the Tommy Burns story, which will be playing at Celtic Park in November of this year. Davy's the writer and producer of the show, and Michael is the executive producer. It's a pleasure to have you both here, and thanks for joining us. Davy, do you want to get started by telling us a bit about what Tommy Burns meant to you and how the play first came to be? Yeah, thanks, Dino, and thanks for having us on. It's much appreciated. Probably a similar way to, to literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of Celtic fans around the world. We fell in love with Tommy, the person. Tommy, the player, was actually a little bit before my time, so it just shows you that the impact that he can have by sheer personality alone. My actual experience of Tommy at Celtic was probably more as, as the manager in the 90s, you know, whereas I'm sure some of your older listeners will remember the, the playing days. But um, I've, I've obviously I've been writing plays for 30 years now, and recently I've done a couple of sporting things and... I've always wanted to do something about Tommy and the, and the other places have got gone quite well. So I thought, well, let's see if we can transfer it. Got in touch with the family. Family were keen by by a happy coincidence. Jen had come to see uh, the play I did last year. I played about Benny Lynch and she was quite happy. So it, it all seemed to come to all come, came together quite well. Sat down, started writing the play, brought Michael on as executive producer. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been going great. I'm very, I'm extremely fortunate in terms of when I'm writing the play, that having the support of the family and having Michael, because Michael's been involved from very, very early in the process, from the point when we were auditioning the actors. I mean, who better to tell us if the actors are suitable than than Tommy's son himself, you know? But coming back to what does Tommy mean to me? He's just like a great man. And this is not a football play. This is a play about a man who happened to play football, an amazing man who happened to play football. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it, to be involved and to put it on at Celtic Park. But I could have taken this play to... Pretty much any theatre in the west coast of Scotland and they would a bit my hand off for it. But it just felt right to have the first run of this play at Celtic Park. It's the it's it's, it's Tommy's home, it's our home, and it just felt right to stage it there. So got in touch with Celtic. I have to say Celtic have been absolutely fantastic uh in, in, in terms of supporting us. We're working with the foundation. So there were a certain element of the proceeds will go to the foundation. Yeah, we we went and measured up and thought, yeah, we can do this, we can do this in the Kerrydale suite. Yeah, that's the very long winded answer to it. And I have I'll be honest with you, I've forgotten the question. That <laughs> <laughs> makes two of us. Uh, Michael, from your own side of things, it must be quite surreal working on a play about your dad. Uh, and sure, there's a mix of emotions that come with that in general. How have you found it all? And how did the connection with Dave and the play first come about? It was actually, I think Dave had got in touch with Jonathan, I think was it over Twitter. Uh, and Jonathan had, had sent us on a kind of email about it. Very official, Jonathan, our brother, sent us an email about it. It was interesting. I never thought it would be as big as it was going to be, though, to be fair. I didn't realise what it was, what kind of scale it was going to be at. Then we met up with David, he, he kind of told us all about it and... You know, I was saying to Emma actually a couple of weeks ago where we were driving up to Edinburgh to another podcast and she said how strange is it 13 years on people are still wanting to talk about dad and celebrate dad's life and it meant so much to people so it's still 
it still shocks us. I mean, like obviously we loved him; he was amazing to us. But the, the fact that thirteen years on, there's still people wanting to talk about and pay money to go and see a story about his life—it's really it is amazing. Yeah, and and it's no surprise. And I think you know it's thirteen just now, but it's going to be decades from now. There'll be still people talking about your dad. I'm sure. Dave, for yourself, you know, obviously you touched on the fact that you'd written your different plays in, in a recent sporting one in Benny Lynch. But what has it drew you to writing about? Tommy specifically, so you could have written on you know any number of projects, sport or otherwise. So, so why this one? You know, I actually looked at writing a play about Tommy quite a while ago. And as a writer, you can't just have good guy, good guy, good guy, good guy, good guy. The end. It doesn't really work as a play. But then uh, I think I actually read it. it was Paul Cuddy, his book I read. Just I was just reading. I wasn't reading it as research. Some of the drama <laughs> that was there, I thought this as a play. Tommy finding out he was terminal on the day his first grandchild was born. That's top tier uh, drama you know so so I thought you know actually we can make this work you know and so we can celebrate the life we can he was a character I mean Tommy was a character the fact that he was so funny the fact that he was so compassionate the fact that he liked to sing and I just thought we can put this on the stage we can celebrate his life from his youth all the way through his life we can we can we can sell and that's what it is it's a celebration of his life it's not a documentary it's a piece of entertainment where we celebrate the life of of an amazing man you know and as you mentioned Dave so You've been involved in theatre in, in different ways for some 30 odd years. As a writer, what's the process for pulling together a, a script such as this one? So as you mentioned, you know, there is drama and there's, there's highs and lows. Does that make it, when you're close to the project, can that make it easier or in ways can it make it harder? There are certain points it makes it harder. I'll tell you the hardest thing is I've been writing what I call the sad scenes recently. And that is, it's been brutal. I, and I've been really emotional. And uh, after I write a scene, I have to go for a walk before I spend time with my missus or, or, or the kids or whatever, you know, I, 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 it's that emotional, you know, and that's, I'll be honest with you, that's the bit I've been putting off writing, you know, because when I sit down with the structure, I go, okay, right, we, we need to get in, we need to get in all of the important events, the kids being born, marrying Rosemary, some football stuff as well, and we structure it and we say, okay, we, we want it to be about an hour and a half, we have to factor in time from singing, um, some songs, and then I, I try and say, okay, what are the important things that we put in, and also have then, what are the important aspects his personality that we have to make sure we cover so like i say we get we get the the compassion the the giving nature of the man the laughter the singing so we have to make sure we have a balance of all of that before we get to the sad stuff but then we get to the sad stuff even after he found out he was terminal and uh, he was still and this is this is the mark of the man he was still laughing and joking and making other people feel okay he was more worried about other people um, there's like there's an absolutely brilliant story about when he went to I think he was at one of the hospital get a blood transfusion and some poor nurse came in and had the wrong details so again I've, I've written that scene and the nurse comes in and is basically saying oh and he gives the wrong name the wrong date of birth and of course and this this really happened and um, so the nurse leaves and, and Tommy says to Rosemary you know you you go there and make sure that you go there and make sure we get the right details because otherwise I'm leaving here with a boob job and this is this is a man who knew that it looked so this is this is what he does you know there's some beautiful stuff in there as well Scott Brown's uh, sister receiving a a bunch of flowers the morning after Tommy had passed saying you know keep strong and keep the chin up and all that just I, I'm I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it to be honest with you you know he was just such an amazing man you know yeah. so so like I say even when the sad times come in. He then he still he manages to pick other people up round about him. Michael, just from your own point of view and from a family point of view, what's the the most important thing for you in terms of how this play comes across? Well, like David said, it's it's not a football play; it's a, a play about him as a man. And I think you know, if if he comes across through the script and all that, the way he actually was in real life, that's the kind of most important thing. Like how special he actually was. 
There's also kind of wee things as well, you know, because I was at the edition for the actor and he was, he'd also done his kind of homework, the guy, he's got a lot of mannerisms and stuff like that, right? But even wee things that my dad would say, my dad would say daft words like crikey or cripes and all that, just you never say those things, but see if you can get those wee things in. That's things that people that know knew my dad, they'd be like, oh God, he always did, he did say that. I mean, so it's wee things like that, the wee kind of, and that's why Dave's been great because obviously he's fed a lot off of us and we've given him all the stories we can he was up at the house a couple of weeks ago and we were just kind of talking about my daddy's life and his death everything like that so we're trying our hardest to make it as kind of authentic as possible to, to my dad and who he was I think the, the biggest compliment after the after the show of course we want to entertain but the biggest compliment I will get as the writer uh, will be that if people who knew Tommy come and go wow you know that there was times when I you know I was kind of taken aback especially you're right the, the language we use the biggest challenge here, actually, for me, was going to, to, to find the actor to play Tommy. Mm -hmm. And I put out a, a casting call uh, on a, on various actors' websites. I'm so thankful that an actor called Liam Harkins applied and he wrote this beautiful email saying how he'd actually met Tommy when he was younger. And that's that's great. So he, he comes to the audition. But there was five reading pieces for the audition, which is quite a lot, but I wanted to be thorough. But I never ask actors to learn the lines for the audition because they could be going to 10 auditions a week. And it's not fair for them to you know have to spend all this time. So, but Liam showed up. He was word perfect on all five reading pieces. Absolutely smashed it. Michael was there as was the as was the director, and I, I didn't want it to impact on what they thought. So I waited till after the audition. And I said, right, so uh, what, did, what did you guys think? You know, <laughs> inside I'm going, yeah, oh, this is amazing. You know, so they went, yeah, that's good. And Michael said, yeah, you know, you reminded my dad a bit and stuff, like that. and that's it. You know, so I also just a small another small piece. I'd just written a scene where again. I, Tommy and, and Rosemary like to sing and stuff in the house. And I'd just written a scene where Tommy gets Rosemary up to sing and dance in the house. And I happened to, happened to look at Liam's showreel and one of the first showreels I saw was him doing exactly that. And literally a style I thought, that's exactly what we're looking for, you know? So sometimes these things just, they just fall into place. Michael, in terms of, um, you'd mentioned there, your siblings, so Emma, Jenna, Jonathan, yourself have all been contributing. I'm sure your mum as well. Have they been keen to chip in with any thoughts and suggestions at different times? Yeah, I, I, we were all kind of intrigued because none of us have been involved with this before. So we're all intrigued as to how it would play out like on a stage. Like, you know, obviously David explained that to us all. But, you know, there's been times when we've sat down and discussed the play and kind of when you were up at the house, David, like there were so many stories that they were telling David that I didn't even know what my dad did. You know, they're 13 years down the line. I still don't know them. But just there's so many like, and every person you meet has a story about my dad. So. You know, my dad's been going for 13 years and I'm still learning more about him. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's, that's the amazing thing because he was such an amazing person. We've, in the house, we've got a chest full of letters that get sent to us from just strangers. But it was like, oh, Tommy used to come up and visit my niece or my uncle or my mum or my dad. None of it, we didn't know anything about this at all. He was never in the house. We always thought he was working. But no, he was at the hospital kind of visiting people and but he would never say a word of it because that was kind of him. It's very selfless. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask that. Is it an odd experience when complete strangers come up to you, whether you're, you're out and about or, you know, at your work or whatever. Is it a strange feeling when complete strangers come up and tell you stories about your dad? No, like, you know, see, because we grew up with it, it's kind of second, it's a kind of second nature, you know, especially if you're at a Celtic event and stuff like that, like it happens quite often. Or if you're at a wedding and somebody says, that's Tommy Burns, and like, somebody will always come up with a story, but mm -hmm. I'm quite happy with that. I, I like that. I mean, it's because yeah. I like to talk about him um, and I like to hear something new about him. And it's always good stories. I mean, it's never about football either. It's about him, the kind of the person he was. I mean, so that's that's nice. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of leaning towards in, in the introduction. You know, I've talked about Tommy Burns, the player, the coach, and the man. And it, I really do feel so. I, you know, I can only go on my own experience with different stories that people have told me about your dad. And it's really about the footballer, talented as a guy he was as a footballer and the successes he had. It's more often than not about the man and 
what he done for somebody else or a selfless act or something funny or daft that he done and it's it must be really pleasing and you must be proud when you hear stories like that oh absolutely and i think that's the good obviously he's got his kind of celtic legacy but i think his biggest legacy and even celtic fans will say that was the kind of man he was i think that's the kind of biggest legacy that the, the mark he's left as a, as a person a human being yeah absolutely and um, david getting back to the story um and in terms of how you built together so you know as we discussed it is more a play about tommy the person rather than the footballer is it told, and, and you know, without giving away any of the secrets of the show, but is it told chronologically or do you start yeah, with certain yeah, no, events? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, start, we start. Actually, the first scene is Tommy on, a, on his first date with Rosemary. So that's how far we go back. And we cover his youth before that by them talking about it and where they grew up. And what we do is, um, if you look at pictures of Tommy, the younger he was, the bigger the hair was. So when he was younger, he had this massive, massive mop of red hair and, and big glasses. And as he got older... The hair and the glasses got smaller, you know. So, so th those are the sort of things we'll do to, um, you know, the hair get thinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so we'll like to say we'll, we'll, we'll be able to do that. So, yeah, we we'll have him as young as youngster, and then just you know work his work his way through to to th through his life. You know, no point do we have Tommy playing football on the stage. We have two football fans commentating on certain games. You play guess the games if you're a Celtic fan. You know certain important games, um, so they comment on the games as if it's actually happening. But also. And the one scene I, I did want to get him in the very famous they're there and they're always there speech I had to get that in I, I couldn't not put it in so that's in him on there actually recreating that scene and then what we're doing is we're using a digital thing so basically instead of fixed flats we're having white flats and we project images onto those so the, there are three because it's a play about his life it's his family his faith and his football so we have the stage into split into three areas and we have the chapel we have the, the home scene which is the the main place and the football stand which is where the football fans are and what we do is we can project the image of the f the scenes onto the walls so for example when they first moved to newton mairns we can have a house which is in the 80s so it's like 80s decor and the only picture on the wall is the wedding picture and then in the 90s the decor changed and we have pictures of the kids you know that kind of idea so we can we can we can move it along that way as well and we can change the pictures that people are seeing as well move it along in terms of that we will use actual pictures of St Mary's and the Carlton for projecting onto the, the chapel scene. And again, the beauty about that is we can take pictures from the front, the back, the side, and you can move the scene about a little bit, just again, just to give it that feeling of being more authentic and idea, you know. So so that's what we do. And then we move, we, it's almost like snapshots throughout his life, if you know what I mean. The bottom line is, make them laugh, make them cry, give them a wee sing song and send them up the road. That in a, in a nutshell. Uh, Michael, obviously Davey's talked in detail about the process and the, the various different things that are involved. And I'm sure I'll maybe put this question to yourself as well, David. But Michael, did you learn anything about your dad throughout this process from maybe different stories or, or just as part of the whole process that you maybe didn't know beforehand? Yeah, I learned quite a lot, to be honest with you. Um, I think the whole football side of my dad was never, I didn't have a clue about that, I couldn't tell you, my dad's career. Um, again, you think about it, I was 87, so really by the time I was of an age, he was his footballing career playing anyway was, was kind of done. Now, as I said before, like kind of personal side of it, I was, I've learned a lot about him. And even me when I kind of sit now, because obviously I think about him every day, but when you're sitting kind of reminiscing and telling David stories, you do, you, you, you go far back in your head and you kind of remember things that you'd, you know, you'd missed or you forget things that you used to say or things that he'd done or that time he's went on holiday or he'd done something funny. Like, so, you know, I'm learning a lot and I'm also remembering a lot about him that I already knew that I've kind of maybe just kind of forgot. So it's been a, a really nice process for me as well, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. And yourself, Dave, is there anything that you, you know, stands out as part of the, the research and the process? You guys touched on it earlier on. Like, for a guy that had an amazing football career, 99% of the stories people want to tell me are not about football. They're just about things he's done. 
the kids, uh, the kids, I say the kids, Tommy's kids have told me lots of stories, but everybody, as soon as I announced that I was doing this, so many people contacted me, oh, I've got this story, I've got that story. You know, everybody's got a Tommy story, you know, and they're beautiful. Some of the stories are absolutely beautiful. I think it was, I think it was Emma that, that told the story of a guy who had written to Tommy and said that his father wasn't, wasn't well, was in hospital. It was a cup final day. And after the cup final, the guy goes to the hospital, sees the curtain around the bed and is worried, thinking the worst. And it turns out, the nurse said, oh no, he's just, he's got a visitor. Pulls back the curtain, it's Tommy. Tommy just doesn't, it didn't, it didn't, there was no great song or dance about it. He just went and did the right thing, just did good things. Even the the speech I was talking about earlier on, they, they're there and they're always there. In that point, his first thought is for his, his wife and his kids. You know, he, he says, you know, I'll just tell my wife I love her and all that and my kids and that. Then he talks about a, a, a wee guy who's in the hospital. I'm going to come up, I love you, I'll come up and see you Monday. This is a guy, do you know what I mean? That was his, that's his, that's his thought process. My family, sick people who, who are, are, you know, who I can help. And the fans, that, do you know what I mean? That, this is what he's thinking about. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine a modern day footballer doing that? I mean, you know, they're, they're more worried about their, 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 their visual rights and their, do you know what I mean? Their Ferraris and their, this was, this was just, uh, just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and I think that just shows how your dad took on the responsibility. And I think guys of your dad's ilk would see it as a responsibility when you're representing Celtic. You've got a certain, there's a role to be played there and how you represent the club. And I think, as, as you rightfully say, Dave, a lot of these guys, modern footballers, they'll maybe do some charitable things, but they make sure it's on their Instagram and they're getting the credit for it and all that kind of stuff. Whereas your dad, to my knowledge, and is, is, I'm pretty sure I'm right with that, he was just being himself and doing what he thought was the right thing at different times. I mean, did a lot of those stories come through, Michael, for you just... Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that my dad kind of instilled in us as well, is, is the kind of do the right thing. Because ultimately, you know what the right thing to do is, you should do it. But yeah, it was the, I think that's the thing as well. He, he was kind of held himself as a kind of example to kind of younger boys and whatever else that were coming up. And just kind of general boys and girls, just human beings, you know, coming up through the ranks, how to hold yourself on and off the pitch and more importantly, off the pitch, really, I would say. But um yeah, that was that definitely came through for me, and I think the fact that that's going to come through in the play is is really good. And I think people knew it anyway. My dad, whether you knew him or not, you heard the stories. But that was again, that's the kind of legacy he left. I'm going with that. What would Tommy do? Philosophy on this show, I, I, yeah. because I think well, Michael just said it is do the right thing, you know. So um, what would Tommy do? That's what I'm trying to use as a guide on. And I'm, I'm not just talking about on the stage. I'm talking about production. I'm talking about and on all aspects of this show. What would Tommy do? He would do the right thing. So that that's. You know, that's my, yeah. that's my philosophy. And, and I think that's why your dad was perhaps so perfectly suited to work in the youth academy. So obviously, you know, he had various roles at Celtic, player, manager, coach, but I think around about the year 2000, the early 2000s, he ended up working in the youth academy. And, I mean, that brings me on to my own big member of your dad. So if you maybe remember, Michael, he worked for a time at the academy with a couple of guys I know really well. So one, a brilliant guy called Greg Robertson, who's still an academy coach today. The other was an ex-Celtic player called John Cushley. I don't know if you remember yeah, yeah, John and his family. So John was the dad of, of my good friend, Stephen, and he sadly passed away for, from Motor New on yeah, on the 24th of March 2008 and as a colleague and as a friend your dad carried out the eulogy at John's funeral so as you can imagine you know you know your dad you know heartfelt funny sincere poignant but cheeky at times as, as I'm sure you can picture and for anyone that knew your dad none of that was particularly remarkable in itself but what was truly remarkable was the fact that at that very time your dad was very deep in his own personal battle with with melanoma and he was able to put all of that aside in order to pay tribute to his friend now your dad then sadly lost his own battle less than two months after that uh, on the 15th of May. And for me, and I know for the Cushley family, the way your dad spoke that day was, you know, one of the most special things I've ever witnessed. I'll never forget it. And for me, that that was your dad. Yeah, I, I, you know, um, I, 
he will he was terminal at that point in you he was dying at that point he loved john crucially adored him um I, I don't think i'd ever met john but my dad always spoke about him absolutely adored him and people have told me about that the speech he'd done the eulogy that he'd done at the funeral and i almost kind of wish not in a morbid way that some that had been filmed or something because yeah. as people said it was there was like goosebumps and everything he did was fantastic yeah it was a really special moment and just just as you say it, it, it belonged on camera somewhere but for anyone that witnessed it and i know it was such a an important thing for the family and it brought great comfort but yeah as i say for me that that absolutely sums up your dad and um, i was going to say just going back to as you say michael you know you're born 87 i think you mentioned yes. there and didn't experience too much of dad's playing career beyond that obviously there were some highs and lows you know i'm sure when he exited celtic as a manager that was a tough time for the family he went down to redden for a very short spell and then get involved with the national team and different things did you as a family experience the highs and lows? Did he bring his disappointments as well as his joys home with him in terms of his of his work? No, I never brought anything home. He was always the same when he came, when he came over the door and after work. There was never any kind of... They could lose a Celtic game and come home and he'd be high as a kite, you know, as soon as he crossed the door because he had his family and everything. You know, that was that was his kind of main thing. That's what he was happy about. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm sure at the sidelines he was disappointed and what the rest of the, the kind of fans and the support, but... No, I never brought that home, whatever. And I think we were all too, maybe a bit, maybe Emma and Jenna possibly, but me and John were probably too young um, when he was manager to kind of experience the kind of highs and lows. But I know that when he went to Newcastle, uh, we kind of took him down there. Didn't stay there that long, mind you, because he got the job to manage again at, at Redden, obviously. That was hard for him because he was uprooting the fold in Newcastle. He was away from us. We were still up in Scotland and then in Redden, he took us all down. But Emma was still here doing exams. So none of us liked that, even he hated that. Um, it was a terrible time down in Reading. And then when he came back up, we had a chance to get back into Celtic again. Like, and Emma said it before, like my dad would have worked for Celtic for free. It didn't yeah. bother him at all as long as he got in working with it. Absolutely. And also, I'd mentioned there that he took on a role uh, with the SFA, with the Scotland team, I think, uh, between 2002 and 2007. And notably, that led him to working with Walter Smith and Alan McCoyst. And there's obviously those strong images of those two fellas carrying your dad's coffin. And in a way... As we all know, Glasgow is a divided city at the best of times through the, the tribalism and the football. But are you proud of that in terms of how your dad, I'm sure, brought you know people from both sides of the city together? Yeah, definitely. I always think it's quite sad when you see kind of you know football oriented things like there's violence and all that. You know, when you look at things like my dad and Walter and Ali, like that's how it should be. You know, it should be like the kind of people coming together for football. It shouldn't be a case of kind of people getting stabbed or you know all this kind of horrible stuff that happens because you're wearing the wrong colour of shirt. But, but that was natural for them, though. That wasn't something that was done as a kind of, let's do this, just to, uh, for an example. That was just a kind of natural. There was Because there was no, that's not in, I think, a kind of younger generation. I think the older generation can understand that better. But I think the younger generation kind of struggle with the, well, if you support Rangers, then, or Celtic, then we can't be pals because I'm the other side of the, you know what I mean? So I think, um, no, for me, it was very natural with them. And they were very, very good pals, all of them. But I think it was important with regards to, you know, you see it in the newspaper, I think, although it wasn't intentional, it was just because it was my dad's friends. I think that was a strong message to both sides, you know, Celtic and Rangers support. Like, this is what it's all about, like, people coming together for the kind of the greater good. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it was a strong and an important image. And, you know, as mentioned, there was no PR angle. It wasn't, you know, for the, you know, for the goodwill that it would bring. It was just guys do, going back to it, people just doing the right thing. Exactly. Your, your dad and, and Walter and Ali, I'm sure, formed a football bond. And they didn't even think about what side of the city they no, were from. Definitely yeah. not. Were you ever approached, Michael, you know, in the aftermath of all of that by Rangers supporting fans to talk about anything of that ilk? No, not not necessarily. Again, a lot of people would come up to you and say, Oh, I'm a Rangers fan, but I still love your dad. In my head, I would just think, Why would you not love my dad just because you're a Rangers <laughs> yeah. fan? It doesn't make any sense that sentence to me, but it's still the sentiment's <laughs> nice, I suppose. Yeah. No, I I'd have to say nobody's really approached me with regards to kind of talk about it, but but Celtic part of my dad died, obviously I was there and 
people didn't know who I was when I was there when they were laying down and stuff. But a lot of Rangers fans, obviously, they just kind of they're coming back to do the kind of um, parades. The wrong words was day after Manchester. Yeah, yeah day after Manchester. I'm used to football, and I knew it was something. I knew it was something important. But they were all coming up and they were putting the scarves down. So that was, I thought that was really nice. And that was really kind of big of them again to kind of show the respect of the kind of the man. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And just as we're discussing, Davey, obviously they just, you know, the high regard that Tommy Burns was held in from, you know, from people all across the football world. That in itself, does it bring a, a sort of pressure to you when doing this play? Do you feel a pressure? Yes, but I put more pressure on myself than anyone else can because I love the man so much um, and I'm, I've been. I feel as if I've been. I've been building up to this show for for a long time. You know, um, I'm glad I didn't try and take this show on twenty years ago. If that makes sense. I feel now. I've, I'm. This is the best time for me. I'm the best equipped with the best tools, the best experience, the best experience, just to to really make the make the best of it. Um, from from all angles, from a writer and a producer point of view. You know, but no, there will be nobody. There'll be nobody putting more pressure on me than me. Sometimes you're you're so close to something, you have to take a step back, and I do that sometimes. I just think. This is going to be amazing. Do you know what I mean we're going to we're going to all get together as uh, you know as as Celtic fans or not or whatever? We're just going to get lots of people in a room. We're going to celebrate the life of an amazing man. Hopefully, people get to meet new people they've never met before. We'll enjoy ourselves. It's a bit like when one father passed away. Of course, it was a sad time. But I remember, and you start uh, at the wake, for example, at the wake. But we're all laughing and joking. And I remember thinking, should should we be, should we be doing this? Is this? But then you go, well, it must be because everybody's doing it and it's natural. And it's a bit like that. We're, we're going, yes, we know it was a tragic, tragic, tragic early death, but we're all going to get together and celebrate. It's just going to be an amazing experience for everyone. Um, myself, the, hopefully the Burns family and, and everybody, the audience, the, the actors. Um, and I really hope that after all, people just go, yeah, that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that, you know. Like I say, this is not... Uh, I'm going to say it. it's not a wanky piece of theatre, right? It's it's just it's a it's a piece of enjoyment and entertainment. Come along and it, people just come along and enjoy it. And on a personal level, I've already won because I've got to meet the Burns family. And I don't know about you guys, but I'd, I'd seen them so much so often in documentaries. And I thought, oh, well, they can't they can't be that nice. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, but of course, you get to meet them. They are and they are extremely funny. And uh, you know, and I'm absolutely determined. I'm going to put on the, the best show possible for them. You know. I was going to ask just on that point, Dave, how important has it been to have, you know, Michael on board and the, the support of the family for the project and, you know, in terms of just giving you such a genuine insight into Tommy? Oh, uh, like I say, who better to tell me what Tommy was like than his own family, you know, his, his own wife and his, and his own kids. Keep his right, you know. And like I say, having Michael on board as an executive producer, having a key player, he'll play a part in the script, he'll play a, he played a part in the editions, um, he'll play a part in the creative side of things as well. It's phenomenal. Like I say, but on a purely personal level, it's just been absolutely fantastic getting to meet them and spend time with them and hear all the stories. Um, you know, I think Michael mentioned earlier on that we were in the house, I was up in the house recently and they just flew by. It just flew by. And I left the house and didn't let it was actually felt quite bad because it was late, but it was just an amazing experience. And, I, and I, I'd also like to think that there might be a slightly cathartic thing here as well in terms of they clearly enjoyed talking about Tommy, so therefore, if I'm there, I'm, I'm the I'm the excuse for them to talk about Tommy, and then they start all the stories coming out. And I think, as Michael has said, even now, um, some of the kids are hearing new stories from the, from other people and from kids. So yeah, it, an absolutely amazing experience. Yeah, and I always think it must be interesting for you as a family, Michael, because I don't know, kind of West of Scotland mentality. Sometimes people kind of tend not to, you know, speak too much, and they kind of choke up their emotions and different things. It must be a blessing in many ways for you to be able to, whether it's through the work that Dave's doing or, or, or just by virtue of who your dad is, to be able to speak so openly and share such, you know, joyous stories at times. We're so lucky, I think, because a lot of time, you know, people pass away and the families always remember them, but we've got YouTube videos and 
documentaries and now a play about my dad. So we've got all this stuff and we're so, so lucky to have that and to still talk about him. The fact that people still want to talk about him. Um, don't be wrong, some of this kind of sadder stuff isn't that nice to talk about, obviously, but that's an important part of the play that had to be discussed because that's a, probably the most important part to get accurate. Um, so things like that aren't exactly that pleasurable to talk about. But again, probably maybe literally they are without you really knowing it because we don't really talk about it. So maybe talking about it can bring it to the surface again. It kind of helps you kind of cope with it because the grief still nowhere near as bad. It's a kind of lifelong thing, that grief, because my dad was such a, a massive part of our lives that will always be kind of like something that's missing within all of us. So it's still nice to kind of bring that up. But talking about him to that level is, is brilliant because it's, it's, it's funny, a lot of funny stories as well. Do you know what I mean? As Dave said, you know, there's obviously the, the drama that we all know about, but it's it's like anybody's life, isn't it? There's the oh, highs, yeah. the lows, the ups and downs, and, and hopefully it's all captured there, and I'm sure it will be. I suppose it's also very relevant to point out that today is not only your mum's birthday, but your mum and dad's anniversary. Wedding anniversary, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so, uh, so my that's... best wishes to, to your mum from, from all of you. us here. <laughs> And Dave, what would you ask, how would you like, you know, this this play to be thought of and remembered? I suppose mostly by by the family. It's a celebration. So therefore, I want people to be happy when they think about it. Like, as I said earlier on, we want to bring out, I want people, when they when people come to see it, whether it's the family or, or the audience, um, I want them to leave feeling emotional. I want them to feel, during the show, I want them to feel happy. I want them to feel sad. And at the end, I just want them to feel good. I want them to go up the road talking to each other about Tommy Burns. Uh, and if they go up the road doing that, then we've done our job. Because they'll all, they'll all say, oh, did, I'm hoping that when they leave, they go, oh, I didn't know this and I didn't know that. Did you know this? Did you know that? And, you know, and, and I want them to be impacted by it in, in various ways, happiness, sadness, but just an overall feeling of goodness as they leave. Dave, do you want to just give us a quick reminder where people can get tickets and what the dates are for the show? Yes, uh, so it's the 9th to the 13th of November. We're staging at the Kerry Deal Suite at Celtic Park. For tickets and more information, you can go to the website, which is the Tommy Burns Story That's the the Tommy Burns Story Fantastic. And finally, all that's left is for me to offer my very genuine and sincere thanks to Michael and to David for joining us here today and to wish you and all involved every success with the play. I'd like to give the last words to yourself if we can. So we all know that your dad was rarely short of things to say at the best of times, but what do you think he would have made of all of this? You know, and I mean the play and I mean everything else. As you say, whether it's documentaries or YouTube or you know, different uh, charity initiatives and everything. What would your dad thought of all of that? My dad never thought of himself as anybody special. He, you know, as a footballer, I think he knew he was he was kind of good at football and stuff like that. But you know, he always kind of wanted to improve himself in the football side of it. And even as a person, he never realised how special he was. That was something that I think you know, if you're lucky enough to be born like that way, like because that was definitely something he was born with, and it was something he practised. And I think his faith had a big part to play in it. But no, I think he would be extremely humbled. I think he'd be very emotional. He was a, an emotional guy. My dad, if you laughed, he laughed. If you cried, he cried with you kind of thing, you know. So there's stories where, you know, my dad's been sitting watching clips of him when he was younger playing. You could see the tears were kind of stripping down his face because you could tell that he was sad that he wasn't back there anymore you know, kind of playing. So he was a really emotional guy, but I think he would love every minute of it because he loved himself a wee bit as well, my dad. You know, <laughs> um, but no, I think uh, emotional, humble, and yeah, just really, really happy that he's left such an amusing legacy.
It was a genuine pleasure for us to speak with Michael and with David today, though it generally always is when you're speaking about Tommy Burns. A true hero to Celtic fans of many generations, his legacy will rightfully be who he was as a man, rather than who he was as a footballer, though I'm sure he'd be the first to remind us that he was a pretty decent player in his day too. Please support the Tommy Burns story if you can, and as always, our thanks to you for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.